Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I am living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Bebe. Yay! Hey, Jason, you sound energetic today. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So I know that we have something serious today, right? That we have to talk about. Obviously, we've pointed out a couple of times before, there are 580,000 homeless people, which is probably going to go up to maybe as much as a million in the next year or two because all of the moratoriums on evictions are ending after, you know, a struggling time for the U.S. economy. And the U.S. economy Mm -hmm. is also maybe about to take another dive. So we're looking at a lot of people who are homeless, but there's another angle to that and that is that a lot of people who are renters what happens when they are entering retirement or they can no longer work they end up retiring into homelessness wow that's not a pretty picture Mm. huh but that is a good question uh if you've been renting well most people rent most likely because they don't have enough money to buy a house Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. renting uh, you go down one tier, but still renting is still expensive in the States. Mm. Um, so if you can't afford that, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. But what do people do besides going on the street? Because going on the street seems like, mm-hmm. you know, once you go on the street, it's pretty hard to get back. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know the way back. I don't think they know the way back. There's this article uh, on coin.com, more Americans America's graying homeless population retiring onto the streets Aww. came out about five days ago. And it tells the story of a few ladies. And this one, the, the first lady they talk about is Carla Finocchio. I hope I'm saying that right. She was uh, had a partner of 18 years. And then she split with her partner at 55 years old, mm-hmm. thinking that her 800 a month disability check would be enough to survive. But the apartment that she wanted to, or I guess the average apartment is $1,200. So she now lives in her car mm. and she's essentially retired no one's gonna hire her at this point because she's disabled and she's you know in her graying years and so this is a huge problem this is just one person a lot of other people mentioned in this article mm-hmm. where it, it's really just a terribly sad state of affairs that they live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world and yet they have to live in their car or literally sleep on the street but you mentioned the rent mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. for her would be $1,200. So that's over $1,000 for a one-room apartment. Mm. But that's obviously, I mean, it's not even high for her. It's Mm. high for most people. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember when I worked uh, in New York City, I shared an apartment with um, a college, we graduated from, a friend from college. And the apartment, I think it was over $2,000, like close to 3000 Wow. That was what, like wow. 15 years ago? Ah, oh, gee, it's been a while. Yeah. But she made more. She was in like investment banking. Mm. So she had the bigger room. It was like slightly bigger. Mm. <laughs> and I had to pay maybe 1300 mm. for like mm-hmm. one small, one slice of a room. Mm-hmm. I had a, like a mattress on the floor <laughs> and then a desk. And then we shared the kitchen and bath. And that was like, you know, a pretty decent uh, 72nd mm-hmm. Street. Mm-hmm. So good location. And even that cost, you know, over a thousand dollars that was sharing with someone. Mm -hmm. But still, it it was pretty expensive. You know, I was I had a decent job, but still like one third at least. Actually, over one third of my check went to Mm. the rent. So like, can she find a 
better option, like renting with somebody else or, you know, I was talking about San Francisco, but again, this was a uh, 10, 11 years ago. I was living in San Francisco paying also about $1,200 for a very tiny room. Wow. And, you know, it's known that San Francisco has high rents, but mm. it's also been 10 years. And now there are 500 cities in the United States where the average home price just to buy is about a half a million dollars. Oh. So we're talking about a totally different real estate, mm. you know, situation in the United States. Now, I think that that maybe if she were to relocate to, I don't know, like Idaho, maybe mm. like she could find some small town where she could rent a room for right. someone kind of situation. Right. But I think that's complicated for someone, you know, who's already disabled and almost 60 years old. And, and the, the, obviously her her case is not the same mm. as a lot of the other people in, in this article where the situation is even worse. So $800 a month is not enough mm-hmm. to finance a life in the United States these days. Think about the food. Mm-hmm. Okay, she has to buy food with that eight hundred dollars. She has to provide right. clothes for herself with it, and, and so twelve hundred and twenty dollars, I think, is what, what it was actually uh, average apartment. She would only actually be able to afford three or four hundred dollars after she feeds herself if she's just living very, very, you know, kind of slim. Yeah, but what about like renting with other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like that's how a lot of young people do here in big cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes pushing legal boundaries because there, you know, there are only a number of people uh. that can share an apartment. But I guess, uh, I don't know, maybe it's more flexibility <laughs> in other places yeah. where more people can live. A single room apartment. So three people living in a single room apartment and splitting 400, 400, 400. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's not a nice picture, but it's better than on the street. But I mean, there's all you. I think you're right. And maybe three homeless ladies coming together to your apartment. You know, another mm-hmm. aspect is that. OK, so you're, let's just walk through this. Sure. You're you want to rent your single room apartment mm. and three homeless ladies show up. So firstly, you have to be willing to rent to three homeless ladies and then secondly they're going to do in the united states a credit check Mm. now for three three homeless ladies are not necessarily going to have great credit so you've got another angle there too okay it's a it's they're fighting an uphill battle yeah but that's got to change right because if we are facing a harder economy uh and there are going to be more homeless people uh they they have to live somewhere and i think um there Mm -hmm, probably will mm -hmm. be more regulations and you know it's just not it's not just in the states though because the other day I came across a video mm-hmm, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a video of a man, I think mm-hmm. probably in his late 60s. And he was talking about how heating costs is mm. so high now in Europe that he couldn't afford to turn on mm. uh, heating at home. So during the day, he would go on like mm-hmm, public mm-hmm. transportation or go to uh, places where they don't chase mm-hmm, people out mm-hmm, just to stay mm-hmm. warm. And he was saying, I mean, he was he was pretty calm, but on the sad side mm-hmm. when he was telling um the person interviewing him is that i did not imagine mm. that i will retire into poverty because mm. i've been working you know for decades yeah. and i couldn't i can't imagine that this is what my life is like now um he probably still has like an apartment which is good mm-hmm. it's just that he can't afford the heating so it's not just in the states mm-hmm. and i think um the state of the economy is not just going downhill in the states it's mm-hmm. going downhill in other places too mm-hmm. um so we really have to start thinking about certain possibilities mm-hmm. Because I think decades earlier, I say when I was living in the States, things seemed pretty rosy, you know? Mm. It was a place you feel like if you work hard and you save a decent amount, mm-hmm. a life will get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Like that was the trend. But maybe there comes a time when the 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 wider environment won't be able to support that. Mm-hmm. And you have to do more uh, as an in- individual. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't ride the waves anymore. You, it's, the waves are going, it's crashing or it's going down. Mm-hmm. And then we have to save more. 
I mean, this is easier for uh, Chinese families, I think, because uh, for especially for my parents' generation and grandparents' generation, like saving has always been a major concern. You know, even when they make enough, they always save so much, mm-hmm. um, probably because they, they grew up poor. Mm-hmm. So, but then for people who grew up uh, in wealth, in prosperity, it's something novel. It's like save, why, what, like a, a huge percentage of money I'm just going to put in the bank and not you know, spending it on useful things now. But maybe that's an idea that we have to get more used to now. I, I hope that what you're saying is right. So this there's the idea that, you know, maybe things will get, get better at the precipice. So there are a lot of tragic cases right now. Homelessness is rising out of control. Uh, so maybe the political situation in the United States will be such that politicians feel that it is necessary to do something. Mm. And maybe they will build some sort of like um, kind of homes for old people that right. the government can help subsidize or something. Mm. And that would be yeah, idyllic, obviously. But given, you know, the United States uh history of dealing with the homeless there's not a lot of hope mm. because there's you like recently arnold schwarzenegger he donated some money to build like i don't know 10 or 15 mm. super tiny homes in los angeles mm. that's great and i applaud uh governor former governor schwarzenegger an actor for taking that step to help those people and those 10 or 15 people's lives and the compassion right yeah their lives have in, no doubt been significantly changed but you know 10 or 15 people uh is still less than like 0.01 percent of the problem you know what we need is a government uh, solution not just relying on the hopeful wealth of some people who with compassion Mm -hmm. we need a system-wide change to how we're dealing with this problem which is getting worse do you think the politicians know that i don't know it's it's uh, or are we like early in the game or something (laughs) i feel like politicians based on what i see them saying lately about like oh this is the best economy we've had in years i think they're just i feel yeah that's what uh i'm not gonna say which politicians are saying that there's a lot of politicians out there saying like oh the economy's booming it's everything's great and everyone else is like what i think there's a disconnect because most politicians seem to already be wealthy mm, for them so or, or they their career politicians making three hundred thousand dollars a year from taxpayers i don't think they understand yeah that's that's worrisome mm. and actually you know thinking back about what politicians in china have been telling mm-hmm. people I think they, they've been like kindly warning us that, mm. OK, the times are going to get a little harder now. It's a different cycle, a different part of the cycle of the economy. Mm. And, uh, you know, China's economy has been have been going up for literally three or four decades at mm. amazing speeds. But mm-hmm. that's not going to mm-hmm. continue forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And also the society is aging in general. And so we've got now tougher international environment. So we now know that, OK. Looking into the future, at least the near future, things are not going to be as rosy. So we're like Mm -hmm. mentally prepared. And I think especially at the start of the pandemic, I remember seeing videos of like warning on TikTok, uh, telling people about the things that maybe you shouldn't do uh, in times like Mm. this, like Mm. splurging on extravagant things or uh, going into risky Mm. investments, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Things like that. So you protect your own own wealth because, um, I mean, two or three years ago, we didn't know how this uh, pandemic was going to roll mm -hmm. out. Um, It was just a lot of uncertainties. So anyhow, it's a a difficult time, and this might just be the beginning Mm -hmm. of it. So hopefully hopefully the politicians know this better than we do, Jason. (laughs) 
I want to get some context a little bit firstly, and then I have a question for oh, you. Sure. So obviously I'm in, I've been living in China a while. I've been read a lot of news like you. So I'm aware that China has ended absolute poverty, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously there's still a degree of poverty in some places, Right. but like I almost personally never, I, I do see homeless people, but almost never. It's like mm. one, one or two that I've seen in Wuhan since I moved here a year ago. Mm. So like, why don't I see homeless people in China? That's my question for you. Yeah. You know, I thought about this before. I actually had to do a research on this, mm. um, but I don't know, like, because I live in Beijing, mm. uh, that's even, this is where it's even less likely to see mm-hmm. someone homeless. I've seen, I've seen beggars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a couple years ago mm-hmm. when I went into um, like like inner city areas, but they were like professional beggars. Mm-hmm. Like the couple wow. that I saw, they have been at the same spot for like 20 years. Wow. Because every time I went there, they were there. They're still there. <laughs> it's just now they have this um, QR code instead of like a, a can with some coins in it. Mm. And I think for them, it's just what they do. They were like retired or something, or maybe they were from the countryside. And, wow. and there are usually more like richer people, uh, wealthier people go eating and, you know, having fun in those areas. But other than that, I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, there's one case, but she wasn't really homeless. Mm-hmm. She was actually <laughs> there's this young lady who camped outside the radio station for months. <laughs> wow. And she would do that. Uh, she did this in maybe two or three years when the weather was nice Mm. so for for months we had this tent Mm -hmm. outside the front gate uh and and there was this young lady she just she literally lived in the tent and it turned out that she's this uh a diehard fan of one of the uh, radio Mm -hmm. hosts wow (laughs) um that we know so she camped there so she could be close to him and hoping that you know she would meet him on his way to That's like a little stalker esque. She it was, yes. Yeah. But for us it was very odd because we don't see people camping on the street. Hmm. Like it was it was very unusual. And we were like, why isn't anybody because here if it happens, we our expectations would be that, you know, the police or the social workers would get involved mm-hmm. and uh, you know, she would be moved out, out of the street. But she stayed there for months. Maybe she, I don't know, reached some kind of negotiation. I'm not too sure. Or she I mean she was pretty harmless. Yeah. yeah. But that was like um the one case of semi homelessness mm. um that I've seen. Otherwise, uh in Beijing, not so much, but I'm I'm sure there are homeless people um but one aspect i have to mention that uh, might be different here in china is Mm -hmm. there is a much wider and denser family net here in china Mm -hmm. right so someone would have to be literally either without any relatives Mm. or uh are so not in good relations with their family relatives Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be on the street like that's not very likely uh either like maybe it's just um there's a very thick cultural dimension to what how people take care of their family members here exactly maybe that doesn't exist in the same way in other places maybe there's better social nets uh Mm -hmm. let's say in, in europe or even mm-hmm. in the States, you know, for people who are unemployed, who need help. I'm not too sure in comparison mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't live at that, you know, that part of the society. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in China, I think people first, the first thing do they fall on family. Mm. And when I mean family, it's not just your parents, but, you know, aunts and uncles, your cousins, it, it spreads out. And also, um, like, although we have a lot of the, a lot of big cities, but a large part of China's population still live in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Right. And countryside, they're very land based. Mm-hmm. 
you live in your village and you have your own plot of land, you have your own house, um, and you have, you're connected, you know, you have your family, your relatives Mm -hmm. and your neighbors Mm -hmm. that you grew up with in that village. So it is hard to fall through the the cracks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the countryside, um, it doesn't take as much to, to live, you know, to have a place to live, to have enough to eat. There will be ways. It's when they maybe when they try to make it in the city and when they can't pay rent that, you know, they become marginalized in the society or maybe return to the countryside. Yeah, they all have roots somewhere. So yeah. the few cases where they they're just no not connected, um either it's unfortunate that their family members have all passed mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they are a little different in some other ways, you know what I mean? Yeah, like like they they just didn't fit mm. in in their own social and family network. Um but when it comes to homeless person, there's another uh, rather atypical case. Do you want to hear about yeah, it? Absolutely. 100%. He was actually a, a rather famous uh, homeless guy. Uh, his story went viral. Mm-hmm. I think that was back in 2016. Um, his name is Shen Wei, I think. Mm-hmm. So someone came across this homeless guy. He was typical, like this typical homeless looking guy. Mm-hmm. Like his hair probably hadn't been washed for two years. And he was gray from top to toes, like um, just a typical homeless image but then he was always reading and he wasn't reading just any like novels he was reading these like really difficult chinese ancient texts wow like that you would have to go um like i will probably have to devote myself to study for years to be able to understand so like the equivalent in america might be like reading in latin or something exactly something like that right and so he caught the attention of netizens and people started to find out more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it turned out his story was that he his his parents were actually intellectuals, mm-hmm. especially his dad. And but his dad was very, very, very strict when he was growing up. Mm. And uh, he was always uh, he he controlled everything in his son's life. Mm-hmm. And his son really like this person I'm talking about, homeless person. He just he just loves to read and he loved to read mm-hmm. even when he was a child, especially literature. But his dad only wanted him to do like, you know, math and science and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he was little, in order to to buy books, he started picking uh, out from garbage cans anything that he could sell. Mm-hmm. So he developed this habit of um, picking out garbage. Actually, nicer way of saying it is recycling, because mm-hmm. uh, he would take then take that to the recycling station and exchange that for money, and then he would buy books. Wow! <laughs> um, and that yeah, that's um, and then he had to like hide from his dad the fact that he loved to read. <laughs> so that continued like all the way into adulthood, and it and then he his dad forced him to do like accounting or something like that, auditing, like the opposite of what he wanted to do. Yeah, and it was pure suffering. But the only thing good for his uh, with his job was that they they had paper everywhere <laughs> they had like um <laughs> books and things like that um but he still uh kept the habit of picking out from garbage cans because you know he had been doing that since he was little mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. people started to think of him as someone who's really odd of course mm, right mm, someone yeah. who maybe has some mental problems um maybe he was bordering i'm not too sure but really the reason why he did that was it was a habit and you could exchange them for money, the garbage for money, mm-hmm. and then for books. Um, but so later on, he was, you know, marginalized, basically outcast from the workplace. Um, but he kept the habit. And he said, one day I came, I read in the book that the way we've been living, um, all the things we've been using is actually 
killing the earth or killing the uh, our environment. Mm. And he seemed to find like he said, I found another great reason for recycling. <laughs> you no, know, I wasn't just recycling for money. I was recycling to to protect the the planet. Mm. And so he, that's what he did. And um, eventually, his family couldn't stand it anymore. I mean, he wasn't married. His parents, and so they um, they rented a house or uh, an apartment for him outside. Mm -hmm. But then his neighbors complained because his apartment was literally filled with garbage. <laughs> it was like a little recycling station. So he was kind of driven out again. And then the amazing thing was he was happy. He's like, finally, mm. I'm free. Yeah, I'm free to recycle. I'm free to read. I have lots of time. He said, now I finally have lots of time to read. I don't have to, uh, to go to work, do something I don't like to do. Um, and I, I'm free. I can roam around. So he will, you know, sleep under the bridge or the, at the train station or anything. Uh, it just, for him, it didn't really, um, that wasn't the most important thing. For him, the most important Very thing. Very Buddhist or something, you know, giving up the worldly material possessions to pursue mm. his, you know, dream of becoming enlightened. But for him, instead of looking inside, he was looking into books. I mean, I have to say, I I, I totally understand him. Like what he <laughs> went through resonates with something in me. Like if I were forced to make a choice between being an accountant or auditor, <laughs> uh, or a homeless person. Oh my gosh. It, really, it's not an obvious choice for me. The next time they have a conference on auditing, you should go give a speech. <laughs> if I had to make a choice between becoming an auditor and being homeless, <laughs> really inspiring. I mean, the, the choice this guy made, I totally understand him because I understand the joy of having freedom, mm. right? Of doing the things you love to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, if things could be a little bit more balanced, uh, that's much better. But then I don't want to give up a majority of my time making money mm. so much so that I don't have time to enjoy at least a part of my life mm -hmm. to enjoy what I love to do but you know in the things changed for him in 2016 mm -hmm. when he was discovered and mm. all of a sudden he was all over the internet everyone went and like um interviewed him he was everywhere and then for a period of time he was um uh he started you know doing a little bit business online basically you know mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. live streaming tele like mm -hmm. selling things wow. and so he made a little money and he actually mm. bought a place in Shanghai he lives in Shanghai so now, finally, he's, uh, you know, mm. back from the edge of the society and uh, living a normal life. Mm. And now he has plenty of time to read and space uh, to live. So that's, you know, if you, if you ask me about a homeless person, that's someone I thought of because I don't really see them on. This, yeah, the story you tell is almost the same story a little bit as Socrates. You know, Socrates, this ancient Greek philosopher who's oh. famous in the West. Mm -hmm. He was a borderline homeless person who loved intellectual <laughs> pursuits <laughs> and would just like sleep on the streets and hang out with people and talk about philosophy and read mm. all the time. And that's all he did. And so he didn't have any like worldly pursuits in, in form of career mm -hmm. or anything other than like being good at being smart. That was basically all he did. Being good at arguing so, with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th these are extreme cases, and hopefully, most of us can some find something in the middle. 
you know, mm. and maybe not spending all our time chasing after material goods mm. um, and have enough energy to nourish the growth of our inner spirits mm. um, and but still have a decent place to live. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and and I also did, you know, a little bit more research and to find out where homeless people do live. Mm. Um, and there are these help stations mm. uh, for the homeless. And I think they probably would, you know, host you for a while. And then eventually they will find where your hometown is and maybe send you back. Uh-huh. So um, there's someone, we all come from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm, maybe there's mm-hmm. someone who can, who you, who you're connected with. And then yeah. people, I guess they can sleep in train stations uh, mm. under the bridge. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this much. Well, train stations, sometimes when people. Um, oh, wait. they're open you, all the time. You can see people sort of like you know sleeping outside the train station on a piece of mat or cardboard and uh, but it's hard to tell if whether or not they're homeless or they're just waiting uh to, to for their trains um yeah. because especially during holiday times people they might start camping out outside the train station like you know mm-hmm. the night before it's very yeah. different though than like the picture of the united states so in los angeles new york city uh san francisco seattle there these huge camps where thousands mm. and thousands and no, ten, yeah, tens of thousands of people live together and like sometimes there's like one or two like like places they can go to sleep sometimes if you get in a long line mm. early enough you can get a place to stay maybe shower and then get up you know in the morning maybe even they give you some food or some uh, guidance on like uh, helping them out. It's a totally different situation Mm. because these are like, you know, these encampments can be huge, massive places where people like maybe they live part of their life, 10, 20, 30 years. Wow. See, that's something that it's very hard for uh, most Chinese people to understand, Mm. because if it's like individual cases, I mean, uh, it it, it happens, right? As we Mm. say, it happens. But if it's already like you see a camp mm-hmm. of homeless people or you see a street full of homeless people, like mm-hmm. that is on that is highly unusual in China because that mm-hmm. means the local government or related uh, organizations, they're not doing their job. Mm-hmm. And that that would be very uh, shameful for the local government yeah. because it's like, don't you see? <laughs> it's not a, a one or two <laughs> or 10 people who can't find relatives uh, who can find, you know, go back to their roots or find a place to stay in the city. It's now a, a, a social problem. So that mm-hmm. I do not see here in China. Like, I don't mm. think you even see that in the, in the countryside. Because um, mm. I think, uh, you know, the government here is so much more effective. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. government here, they, they try to solve problems. And this would be one of those problems yeah. that you would yeah. have to solve. So that's unusual. For the last few decades, at least the last two decades, up until 2020, one of the goals of the Chinese government was to raise everyone out of absolute poverty. So I imagine w- some of those communities that they built where they just literally gave people their own houses mm. um, satiated a lot of the need for housing for people who lived in precarious situations. Right. So maybe this is something, this kind of, um, t- this tech the techniques that they were used by China is something that the United States could use as like a blueprint for solving some of the problems that they have. But I think there'll be a lot of pushback. The problem is in the United States of America, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that are like, it's all their own fault. They need to just uh, go and get a job. And they don't understand right. the realities mm-hmm. of these people's situation. A lot of them have deteriorating mental health mm-hmm. or they're, you know, they, they're so in America, drug use is a problem that is like at least 10 times greater than most other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And drug use is a 
serious problem. And so if you have a heroin addiction or something like that, providing you with the job in a home is not a simple, simple issue because they maybe they could find you a job in a kitchen, like as a dishwasher Mm -hmm. or some kind of like easy job that doesn't take a lot of, you know, intellectual ability. Mm. But then if you have, you know, you're scratching yourself to get more drugs and like you're stealing Mm. things, that's going to end your opportunity to continue to work at that establishment or to live in that place that may be provided sometimes. See, you mentioned a few really good points um, because homelessness does not start from homelessness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It starts somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It is somewhere deeper. And here in China in general, like drugs is not a problem that it's like safety. Yeah, I've never even it's heard not of, something. I never even heard of people doing drugs here. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's like what? Doing what? Where? How? <laughs> where did they Why? Get, where did they get that? I don't understand. What? What happened? <laughs> the people smoke, but that's it. That's that's the limit. There's of alcohol taxation. <laughs> alcohol, caffeine and cigarettes. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And even alcohol, like alcohol, people drink, you know, they'll get together with their bodies. Uh, and buddies and like drink uh, for dinner and some people mm-hmm. may occasionally you know drink a little bit more than uh suitable for their own health but mm-hmm. it's not like a social problem mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of like drunks yeah. around here in china so drugs drinking problem problems and mental problems is not as big of an issue mm. and of course there are people with mental uh, illnesses mm-hmm. um but first of all here when you are connected that's why family net is so important mm-hmm. okay so when someone shows the early symptoms of mm, having mm-hmm. mental issues first of all their family members mm-hmm. would notice right yeah even if they're out of their parents' house, you know, they have uh, co-workers, they have classmates. The society as a whole is more connected. Individuals are more connected. So when someone shows some problems, other people will see. And it, it, it's not going to be, you know, when people find out it's already too late and there's nobody to help them. So this is something maybe people don't pay attention to, but it's there. It's the cultural, these uh, family and social net that we have here in a country like China. Right. There is Mm -hmm, such background. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of people are helped this way. They don't even have to go to the, you know, the government for help. The families, a lot of problems solved in in, in this era, family and neighbors, you know, people know each other. So drugs, drinking, mental health problems, these are uh, kind of um, they don't get as severe Mm -hmm, to the mm -hmm. point where people become homeless. Um, so I think that's, that's something you, you have to target at something a little uh, at the roots of the problem. Yeah. And that's the word I wanted to get roots. Like here, I think people pay more attention to roots, like where you are from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like your home village or hometown. Mm-hmm. And that means there will be people who know you. If they don't know you, they know your parents. And that's another connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people are better rooted in a way. And I think in in American culture, maybe uh, people don't give enough attention to the rootedness mm-hmm. of human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, this sense of belonging, yeah. which can be valued, uh, can be given a dollar value, but it influences you in on different levels. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, for both your physical health and spiritual health.
you know, it's not just the mental health or like the way society uh, may mm-hmm. or may not take care of. But like, I think that for our listeners, especially our American listeners, we should point out some things that they need to do to prepare themselves for retirement itself. Uh-huh. So according to an, uh, this a jaw dropping statistics, st- stats, state re- retirement mm. by Jordan Rosenfeld on April 10th. This is on uh, Yahoo Finance. And there's some points here about retirement that the article insists a lot of Americans don't understand and have not properly prepared for. Mm. So we were talking about that lady. She gets uh, $800 in disability. So this is the cost mm-hmm. of assisted living in the average facility for some, an American age 65 or older. And 70% of people 65 and older, that's most everyone, mm. is going to need long-term care. And this The average cost is $4,051 per, per month. So Wow. Yeah, so we're talking, because that's not just the facility itself, the, the food, but it's also a nurse coming in to, you know, wipe you down and to give you a bath and doctors to take care of you. Okay. And the, we're talking about extravagance. Median, here. this is the median cost for a month. So it seemed, maybe it seemed extravagant, no but to have the, these, these caretakers, their salaries are actually pretty high because of you know who wants to clean another person's backside right, right? You know, three or four right. times a day and wa- and clean wash their sheets every time they urinate on them and and, and so forth <sighs> so the cost is actually quite quite high mm. so if the median cost is four thousand dollars and someone's getting disability 800 you know maybe you're right maybe they can find a couple other people to rent us a room with mm. and but you know if for any of those three ladies or three people who's going to need any kind of help beyond that maybe sh- maybe she becomes senile she doesn't even know how to collect her disability at some point in the future mm-hmm. uh, collecting four thousand a month and ensuring that gets to you know like the appropriate facility living facility mm. it's going to be really challenging for someone who is not adequately prepared for retirement and that that's the aspect i want to talk about not just homeless people because that is a huge problem and mm. it's mammoth in the united states but i think retiring into homelessness because of lack of preparedness is mm-hmm. another thing we need to really be worried about because there are a couple elements here um, mm, it's mm. not just whether or not you are prepared, but the external environment mm. is not getting any better anytime soon. Mm, mm. So all of us have to be uh, aware of that. But you know, um, the story of this lady that you just mentioned, when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. most Chinese people hear about this, the first question they will ask is, okay, so where is your family? Mm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's probably the the first question that will come up. If, if your parents are not around anymore, do you have any relatives, mm. cousins? Like, mm-hmm. even though I'm a single child, but I have many, many cousins, right? And there's a long list I can go to, <laughs> you know, to ask for help if it comes to that. But mm-hmm. like for this lady, is she so isolated that there's nobody else she can ask uh, for help? Like somewhere she can stay for a month or two so that she can sort things out, uh, maybe find something like a job? Like, how does it work? I've also been thinking about this for the last few weeks, actually, because we just talked ab- about similar issues in the past. Mm-hmm. And I keep asking myself that, well, like, where are these people's brothers and cousins and things? And like, I, I honestly don't un- friends. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know yeah. if I show up in America. I'm thinking to myself, if I was suddenly like homeless, I obviously have my brother. I have three brothers, so it would be easy. I just like, mm-hmm. sorry, I, 
can I live here? And they would be like, <laughs> yeah, sure you can. But maybe just wash the dishes. <laughs> but I don't understand what how other people's families work, that this is not a thing or that this mm. is not possible or like what the relationships are like on a grand scale statistically, mm. that this is not something that's been happening. Because if that's not working on this end, like a personal end, then you have to look for help for the government, right? But it sounds like mm. wherever wherever she lives, it doesn't seem like there's a place um, for a lot of uh, homeless people like her. Because it would, mm, it's, mm, it would sound mm. reasonable, let's say, for the government to have um, like a homeless housing shelter or something, right? Where mm. people... There are some. There are some, there, but not nearly enough. I see. Well, maybe that's something that the government should prepare for in the future. You know, where people can slip and sleep on bunk beds and have shower places, right? Somewhere people can turn you mm. turn to instead of uh, going on the street. But I guess it's not mm. what, you know, we, we can't decide for them. I want to keep throwing out some more statistics here. So according to the same finance article, it says that most people, experts, sorry, it says, ex, quote, experts suggest you need between 500000 and $1 million saved in order to finance your retirement, oh. in addition to whatever Social Security you have coming. So given that I think it's half of all Americans don't have $1,000 mm. saved, we're looking at half of all Americans are completely unprepared mm. for retirement. At least, you know, just just if we're just ballparking the figures, at least half of all Americans have no preparation for retirement whatsoever, other than hoping that the government's going to give them enough Social Security checks to help uh, them out. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, yeah. if my mom were here. She could talk to you about this topic for days. <laughs> she will list like a million ways to save money mm. <laughs> because it's like it's like in her blood. Mm. I mean, she grew up in the countryside in China, you know, like over 60 years ago. She, so um, she started uh, as, a you know, a poor uh, farmer from a poor farmer's family. Um, but she, you know, learn to uh to make more to save more and it's become much of a habit like she's not poor anymore mm. she she's uh i won't say well off but she's very comfortable mm. and she's still working like saving has become not only a skill but a habit and in china that we have the saying mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not only like to work is glorious but also to save is glorious or it's a, it's a very mm, good thing. Mm, mm. Like don't use all that much and save a lot. So. I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, I don't mean to make stereotypes about Chinese folks, but a, mm. I'm in a, a tip, your typical American. I think, you know, I'm pretty average in a lot of ways and I'm in my middle ages. So I'm pretty representative. Mm. I came over here and I barely saved at all. I was like one of those Americans who's not good at saving. <laughs> and my wife was like, took a look at me after a few years and was like, what is going on and she <laughs> she she sorted me out and she taught me you know like about saving and putting money aside and uh, you know putting money into cds and like not buying every, a mocha every time i want one and like <laughs> now now we do we do pretty well uh -huh. like you know i look at our savings and i'm like okay i'll be okay and that's not because and of can me I get my mocha now? <laughs> yeah and it's not because of me I, I'll, I'll completely owe it to you know not just my wife but other friends that i made in china because it does seem like mm -hmm. you know i'm giving i'm gonna put the stereotype out there chinese people are a lot better at saving than americans well, it does seem that the way. older generations especially mm. uh, i'm not sure too sure about the younger generations mm, mm, because mm. the younger gen generations for one thing they have to they, they face so much more 
what's the word like enticements right mm, mm. they they grew up watching all kinds of advertisements mm. they grew up knowing the living standards of europe and mm, mm, uh and america and they look up to that mm -hmm. um it's like a big hole that can never be filled right mm, um mm. so it's when my parents were growing up they didn't have much but they didn't think they need that much mm, mm. so psychologically mentally they were more like more peaceful mm. than young people these days young people these days no matter how much money you make for normal people mm. it's not going to be enough <laughs> because th there will be greater things better things to get mm. and there will be newer things to get it's never going to be enough yeah. so sometimes it seems like it doesn't even matter where you cut it off mm. you know what i mean yeah because no matter where you uh, let's say i'm um, budget yourself no matter how you budget yourself there will be so much more that you can buy mm. but there will be enough that you can get mm -hmm. so you know we have to make that adjustment ourselves um but overall i think we all have enough don't you think jason right we have way more than enough i think people who are able to continue to work yeah but it does seem like go back to like americans in retirement they're living old longer and they're preparing later for retirement so we have like this uh confluence of factors that are going to feed into a i think mm -hmm. a dire dire situation based on the the few articles that i was able to read in preparation for this discussion mm -hmm. so people are simply not going to be ready and i'm wondering you know like right now the situation is bad what's going to happen in the next 10 or 20 years like in america with like half of all people not ready for retirement and then suddenly they're going to maybe some people are going to be disabled all of a sudden they're not going to be prepared they're going to be completely caught off guard mm -hmm. but even other people who have been taking money out of their 401k this is a statistic 53 percent of people aged uh 40 to 79 have taken out part or all of their uh retirement so that means they have nothing to lean on nothing wow so what it what is going to happen to these 53 percent of people uh that sounds very worrying yeah. um, <laughs> besides inflation is i think inflation rate hasn't we haven't seen anything like it right for years mm -hmm. and, and decades yeah, probably this is crazy yeah and uh, 1981 i think is the last time 1981 yeah well yeah and think about the uh the amount of social security you're gonna get and the amount of stuff you will be able to buy with mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. thing with that money mm -hmm. years down the road yeah it, even the dollar store is not selling things that cost a dollar because anymore. it's harder to to find anything that cheap right yeah um and also i'm thinking about japan because i remember reading somewhere that i think either they don't have like a kind of a social security or is what well, but you need to in that society Society, you need to save for your own retirement. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have the mentality that you're not going to rely on anybody mm -hmm. or the government or pension, whatever. Like when you are working, you you put aside a certain amount of money for your old age. Mm -hmm. And once you are given that mentality, once you know that since you are young, you know, you, it doesn't come as a shock. It becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. And then it's not so hard to accept and then also everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe in the States, it's because the U.S. has been so prosperous and people living affluent in, lives. In yeah, more than they know, like way more than global average, like way, 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 way. You know, they don't understand how extravagant their, their lives that they think is normal are actually not normal.
This is from the same article. So young people tend to think they're going to retire earlier until they're older. So a lot of optimism wanes hmm. as they get older, realizing that they're not going to make the same amount that mm -hmm. they thought they were going to make. So people are not prepared as prepared and they think everything's going to be rosy. And then mm. it turns out not to be essentially. And another one is that uh, life expectancy is increasing. Right. We're living longer. Yeah. So you need more money to. So if you live five extra years, you need five years of money to take care of yourself when you're not able to work. So that's a lot of money, especially because you're going to you might need extra medical care. You might need extra pharmaceutical drugs, all kinds of new expenses that are more expensive because you're 90 years old. You know, I just realized that I said we're going to live longer with a sigh <laughs> because I mean, we all we all want to live longer but now mm. living mm. longer means practical problems mm. right all the, the basic things you mentioned who are going to wipe our backs and other areas that we don't want other people to wipe <laughs> yeah. and who's gonna pay for things man okay this is getting serious um especially for people who have you know, who do not have the habits of saving. Mm, um, mm, I didn't. Mm. Um, I didn't. Because where did you pick up? Is your mom? Your mom helped you out with that? I still haven't picked it up because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're paying for so many things still. Yeah. But I'm, I focus on uh, my ability to make more money. Uh, so that's another Can one. Can I interject sure. a little bit? You know, sure. you mentioned you haven't been able to because of, you know, you're paying a lot of bills and things. And, you know, right now, 45 million Americans are struggling with $1.8 trillion in student loans. I've read a lot about this. And Ooh. those people who are buried in their student debt, because they're financing their debt, not only are they not buying houses, but they're not saving for retirement. So the people in the future, mm. I, I guess in the next 10 or 20, 30 years, who are going to be having the one of the biggest, hardest times with retirement are the most educated class. Gee, isn't that kind of sad? It's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. Well, I feel like I can't go on with this topic anymore. <laughs> this is too sad. Like, I, I'm overwhelmed as a non-politician. Mm. Imagine if I'm responsible for taking care of people, you know, in the city, in the country. Oh, what to do? I feel like, you know, this idea of this precipice, like when I think, you know, FDR, mm. Roosevelt, he was dealing with the um, Great Depression, which actually, it turns out they were paid four times more than the average salary against inflation now, mm. by the way. But, you know, he he turned around and he made miracles to some extent by providing work for an entire generation of people in the forms of building mm -hmm. bridges and roads and all kinds of other right. infrastructure. I feel like the mm -hmm. United States is not good at managing things until things get out of control. And then the politicians <laughs> get to a point where they're like, well, this is bad. We need to do something. Right. And my, ho my hope is that at some point when, you know, homelessness, and retirement and all and student loans are all and then inflation are just so out of control that something has to be done that maybe the political class will come together and say oh well it's time to do something <sighs> because right now they're obviously not doing much well you know uh, you mentioned that like things would have to go really bad to get mm. really bad for uh, dramatic actions to be taken mm. now the way the chinese society and the chinese government works mm. is that they try to prevent things from getting really bad, <laughs> you know, from going until that it's so bad, right? Mm. That it's harder to clean up mm -hmm, the mess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I've noticed time and time again how, you know, especially the central government, they they are they're patient. They they know that things are going in certain directions, but they don't act too soon. Mm. And my understanding is if they act too soon, the people don't understand why they're doing mm, that. Mm. You know, the people would say things are not that bad. Why do we have why do we have to sacrifice our comfort now for the future? Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but they always act before, like right before things get really bad. <laughs> and then they come forward. Because by at that point, people will understand. Oh, so if we don't do this, you know, if we don't start thinking about the future and getting ready, then things are going to get really bad and nobody wants to see that. And then they're able to understand the policies um, that, you know, the government rolls out. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. example, the um, there there have been a lot of uh, policy changes in the past few years, mm -hmm. right? One mm -hmm. or two years. And they are very dramatic. And parts of the society will get hurt because of the changing of the policies. Mm -hmm. And if they came from nowhere... Mm. Right. And if life is going so well that all of a sudden you have these new policies, people are going to be like, whoa, well, government is, you know, way too controlling. I will do this and that. They will complain. Mm -hmm. But when things start to show signs, right, that things, hey, we are rolling downhill here. And then the people understand, oh, OK, we really do need these. <laughs> so that's that's one characteristic I have observed mm. from an, my individual perspective. Um, we don't the government here doesn't wait until things are so messy that so many people are in, you know, a, a puddle that you can't drag them out. Yeah. So I don't know if you have noticed, but, you know, that's how it works here. I have not lived here not long enough to have like a uh, scope mm -hmm. for the feel of when policies roll out. If I, I'm aware of when <laughs> policies are rolling out and, and why they're being rolled out, but mm -hmm. it's terms of the pattern i haven't noticed but you know my question for you because you know i'm hoping that our american under our audience can better understand china as a chinese person who's lived in america but also you know you live in china now mm. what are, are are chinese people seeing america differently because it does seem like america's gotten uh it's it's economy and it, the the state of people's lives is more tenuous than ever before is that something that's seen internationally here in china you know years ago especially pre pandemic and then further earlier earlier than that uh when people talked about america right it's always the same as you know advanced mm -hmm. um developed nation and the wealthiest nation on the planet but in the in recent years we're seeing more videos on social platforms about mm -hmm. the, the darker side of the american society um especially maybe a lot of people saw for the first time street like a street full of homeless people um mm. or camps as you mentioned right like yeah. parking lots where homeless people camp for the night no those were new sites mm -hmm. for a lot mm -hmm. of people um i'm not too sure mm. if it's because of um changing international relations mm. or is it because there are just more cases of homeless people mm. uh, and more for example gun violence right i think probably both uh, it's happening more frequently and also with the prevalence of social media, people get to see it. A lot of people living mm -hmm, in the States, mm -hmm. right? A lot of Chinese people living in the States. They can go make videos of the other side, the darker side mm. um, of the American society. So, yeah, we're getting to know a bit more. And it doesn't, it, it's no longer the... Um, you know, the fantasy land, the land of opportunities where streets are paved of gold. Exactly. Where <laughs> no matter who you are, you know, you can make uh, a great life there. And that's why a lot of um, uh, students who go over to the States to study, mm -hmm. like for mm -hmm. higher education, mm -hmm. a lot more and more people, they actually come back. Yeah, I think it's like 83 percent of all of them come back almost immediately after their degree is finished. Yeah, with um, a yeah, much higher percentage um, because of the rising standards of here and also just how people how connected people are mm -hmm. here you are connected you have family you you might fight with them but still <laughs> <laughs> you know you you are you have roots and that is important um you know at least for for the chinese people so.
another question is my it's my last question for for you as a Chinese person. Like, how sure. do I mean? I, you talked a little bit about you're not saving too much, but what if, if you could think about like you know Chinese society in general based on you, you know your friends and stuff? How do people uh, prepare for retirement in China? You know, like I know I have some idea of what they do or don't do in the United States, what they should be doing. Mm. But what is the ideal way to prepare in China? What what do people do to get ready? I think for a long time. People with extra money, they would buy property,、mm-hmm. like they buy extra apartments. It seemed like、mm. for years and decades that seemed like the most,、um, the smartest way to you know make an investment. So you rent them out, and that is your income. You can rent them out, or you sell them later. Like it's like、mm. another way of saving things in the bank.、Um, and in the past few years,、uh, past few decades actually, the turnout rate was phenomenal.、Mm. And、mm. things are different now, of course, right? Um, and some people they invest in the stock market,、mm-hmm, and from、mm-hmm. what I've been hearing, that's not the safest place. <laughs> and、uh, there are also、um, mutual funds and things like that.、Mm-hmm. Um, and、uh, yeah, there's. I think we need more ways of、uh, investment here、uh, in China. But nowadays, it's、uh, it's probably safe just to save、yeah. it somewhere. So like a CD、yeah. where you make two or four percent interest, something like that. Yeah, it's pretty. Pathetic. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, <laughs> I could get like five, six percent,、mm-hmm. um, and you don't have to do anything, right? You just leave your money there. Yeah. But I think now it's a little bit harder to get that、mm-hmm. just from a bank. You know, that was the same、yeah. case in the United States when I was a kid, and I mean, I was a kid. I was like eight. I had a Bank、mm-hmm. of America account, and I was making four percent interest.、Ooh. This was not like a long-term saving. I could take it out if I wanted, but I was like eight years old, and I was making four percent interest.、Mm-hmm. And now banks charge you to keep their money in the bank. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, they want you to spend actually, or they want more money in the market so that everybody, so your money circulates.、Um, but if you don't have a whole lot, you mean, but you better have a cushion,、mm. right?、Mm. For especially, hey, you know, we're we're already in our forties. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm twenty, but <laughs> I'm actually in my forties. So、um, I, I do think about it, but my focus has been on how to make a little bit more, how to.、Um, Like how I be- can become more capable, so that I become more valuable、mm-hmm. with my time in the market. I haven't thought as much about re- you know savings because、yeah. there's not too much left. You know, you actually、uh, were almost out of time, but I want to、okay. mention this uh, uh,、sure. mutual friend of the show, Morris.、Mm. I-, I met him many years ago, and、uh, he I w- asked him one time. You know, he he's a lot better with finance than me. I said, "What should I do? How should I save money?"、Mm. And he said he he asked me how much I made, and he said, "Well, you shouldn't be thinking about saving money, Jason. You should be thinking about."、What? How to make more money? Oh, oh that's harsh. <laughs> it was. So that's what I did. I did. I pursued that instead, and he turned out to be right. Now I, my saving is working out a lot better because、yes. I'm making enough that saving makes sense. Exactly. And, so, and also, thank you, Morris, if you hear this. <laughs> it's not just that、uh, investment; the returns are not that great,、mm. but also inflation, mm, mm, right? Mm. So if you're just counting on your savings to beat inflation, yeah, yeah, it's going to、yeah. be pretty hard. So yeah, while we still have the ability to increase our own value, let's do that. All right. All right then. Thank you so much for your time, baby. Thank you, Jason. And we'll talk to you. Thank next you. We'll、time. see you next、Bye-bye. time. Bye bye. Bye guys. Bye.